7 and 8. 119, 7 and 8. Last week, we spoke about the peace of God that passes all understanding. And we noted that that peace did not mean just serenity. It's not just a matter of feeling, you know, at peace and, I guess, just chilled out all the time. It, uh, it actually is the peace of God that passes all understanding. And it keeps us. It keeps us. It's an anchor in our life. It's a guard in our heart watching over us through all kinds of circumstances. And I used a phrase last week called the blessedness of brokenness. And I want to speak on that this morning. Thank you, Harold, today. That was beautiful. Reminded us of Bev Shea up there singing that song. It was really good. And choir, thank you as well. So in Psalm 119, 7 and 8, it says this. As I learn your righteous regulations. Now I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation, okay? So it'll be a little different probably than what you're looking at. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. And that was the phrase that caught my attention. Lord, you know me. And you know, Lord, my efforts and you know my failings. And God, I still want you. I love you. Don't give up on me. There's been times when we're almost ready to give up on ourselves, Or maybe we have been there. Or maybe others have given up on us. Well, we certainly pray that God does not give up on us as we go forward. I remember speaking to an old pastor friend of mine who's passed away several years ago. I call him old because he was older than me, but uh, he died fairly young. And that was Ron Kaiser. He preached in this church several times through the, through the years. But it's been probably nine, ten years since he passed. And Ron had had a hard ministry in many ways and personal life was difficult losses he was the youngest of a large family saw lots of his kindred pass on and so he knew something about hardship and uh, I was always and always sort of this sort of guy that just seemed to go along everything seemed to be all right going along okay and you know skipping along through life pretty much happy go lucky you name it. At least that's the way I appear, I, I assume. And he said something to me, uh, not critically, but he said, Charlie said, you won't really understand the heartbreak of people's lives until your life is broken. And of course, being a happy-go-lucky character, I didn't know what that meant. And I'm not still sure I know all it means. But I get the drift. There, is, there are times in our life of brokenness. And they're important. As I shared last week, I, you know, I sort of made a confession that the Christian life for me is often very difficult and frustrating. And uh, I've been a Christian now for 57 years. I've been to Sunday school. I, I practiced my prayer life, studied my Bible, 
I've been even to seminary. I've worshipped many, many times. Yet I'm still often plagued by my failures. What I perceive as failures and with problems that rattle my journey and my walk. And like I told you last week, the biggest problems I have are within me. And I want to get inside today, okay? Talk a little bit about inside. Watchman Nee said that anyone who has served God will sooner or later discover that the greatest hindrance to his work is not others, but himself. So I'm talking now to our inner life. The problem with the self, this inner resistance that we often have with God's Spirit, it often... It's something in our life that must continually and again be broken. This self-will that we have. That which wants to fight against obeying God and resist obeying God. Paul says over in, uh, in Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, he said, Wretched man that I am, who will, who will set me free from this body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. So that on the one hand, I myself, with my mind, am serving the law of God. But on the other side, with my flesh, the law of sin. He talked about this tension that's in us. And I think if we're honest for ourselves, we will admit to that. He says also in the book of Romans, and let me just pull on over to, to, to chapter 8 and verse say 4 or so. He says this, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not subject itself to the law of God. It is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if, you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, Christ, the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit, which, which dwells within you. And so there is this tension inside, and it's, the, it's called the flesh and the Spirit. And the Spirit, of course, is the Spirit of God, along with our spirit, and the flesh is our sin nature. Even though we are saved, even though we are Christians, we, we still have a sin nature. And we will have that as long as we live. As, as, as far as we go down the road, that's going to be there. So decisions are always needing to be made in our life. Are we going to follow the way of the Spirit or the way of the flesh? What are we going to do? And so there's an importance in, the bro in breaking the power of the flesh. Our old way, our ego-driven way. Those things that are so often so pertinent to our nature that are against the ways of God that we, it needs to be broken. Now, when you, were brought, when you accept Christ in your life, your life is changed dramatically. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell in you. 
You know when you ask Christ in your life and you confess your sins and you, you say to God, Dear Lord, thank you for live, loving me and thank you God for coming, uh, sending Jesus to be my Savior and God, I ask you to come into my heart. If you mean this with all your heart, I ask you to come into my heart and live in my life and, and I, will ex- I, I will follow you as my Lord and Savior. If you mean that with all your heart, God hears these prayers and He answers. And that is the step through the door. But even as a Christian, you will find, many people think, well, I'm a Christian now, I shouldn't be having all these temptations and troubles, and why do I occasionally fail? What's going on in my life? You teens will be thinking about a lot of that this week. You'll be thinking about your life, and uh, some of you may be dealing with guilt and such as that thing right now. And so you listen to this this morning as best as I can explain it. There's this opposition that's set up between the flesh and the spirit. And uh, it, it will continue on through our life. So the spiritual life is to be released in our life. It's essential that this sin nature be broken. John Milton said that our heart, our life, our sinful nature is like a castle that we guard over. And God's Spirit, as it were, is sieging that castle in us. You can read that. It's called the Holy War. If you like to read Old English, you can do that, but there's modern versions of it. (laughs) The process of breaking the outer man. As soon as we're saved, the Holy Spirit begins to discipline us from our self-love, our selfish, egocentric way of living, into a way that is more Christ-like. The Holy Spirit's in us. Know it or not, like it or not, when we're a Christian, He's in our life. And He's there to lead us and guide us, even when we're not cooperating. Lord is working in our life to bring us to that place. That's why a Christian, when we're out of fellowship with God, there's nobody unhappier. We think, well, Christian, an un, a backsliding Christian ought to be happier than something... No, there's nobody unhappier than a Christian who's backslidden on God. Because we know. We know we're not in God's will. We know Jesus as Savior. We've accepted His love and grace in our life. And when we're living off in a backslidden fashion, then something's wrong in our life and we know it. And we know God knows it, right? And so, uh, whatever things there are in our life, God's Spirit is within us to to help us deal with our thought life. Do you have issues with uncontrolled thoughts? The Holy Spirit's in our life to teach us and guide us in our thought life. To be thinking on the things of the Holy Spirit, the things of God. In our emotional life. Are you allowing your emotional life just to uh, direct your every whim and way? The people around us, are they having to deal with just our whatever our emotions will splash out? Are you allowing your emotional life to rule you? There are some people who are so desirous for emotional, emotional highs, you might call it, you know, apart from drugs and drink or whatever else might give you some kind of high. Even, there are things like even music can be that way where you cannot be at peace with yourself unless somehow you've driven yourself up 
in some kind of emotional. Can you be alone and be peaceful with God and at peace with God? You remember the story of Jacob. Jacob in the Old Testament, if you don't know the story, you can go back and read it in the book of Genesis. But Jacob was a very strong-willed man. And God had plans for his family. He had plans for him. And at every turn, Jacob was just bullheaded and strong and stubborn. And I mean, even to the point that God had to send an angel down to wrestle with him. That was the first WrestleMania. Teresa, if you were into all that, I don't know. <laughs> and fought and fought and fought. He come out of that with a limp for the rest of his life. He was so obstinate. And it went all through his life. This stubbornness. But God was still working with him. It wasn't just a broken hip bone that he suffered. He was seeking to break his spirit to allow him to be used of God. And so, some of us will say easily, Lord, thy will be done. We say that in our prayer. Thy will be done. It's easy to say that. It's another thing to do it. Thy will be done. That calls for something else in us. It might even call for something to be broken in us. God uses outward circumstances. If we're in a losing battle with sin, it should show us that we cannot depend on our own righteousness. We cannot depend on our own righteousness. It's on the righteousness of God. Sometimes we've got to be defeated in battle. Sometimes there has to be a defeat in battle for an army to get up and work up the strength and the courage and the strategy to win a war. So we may lose some battles along the way. But God's working in our life. His Holy Spirit is striving with us. Us Baptists don't like to talk much about the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is a very, very important doctrine of the Bible. God's Spirit in us. And so... Uh, no matter what's going on, personal failures uh, opens, up, opens up in us the ability for the Spirit to kind of break through. One of our favorite verses, again, in Romans uh, chapter, chapter 8. Let's see here. So many scriptures today, I can't find my... So many children, you didn't know what to do, right? Is that the, is that the way it goes? All right, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. You know, we think about that and we, we use that as sort of a comfort, a comfort thing sometimes. But you know what? It's not always comforting. God is working in our life to do His will. It's an act of love on His part but you know, sometimes love hurts. Did your daddy and mama ever tell you that? This is going to hurt you worse than it is me or something. <laughs> God causes all things to work together. Some of these are tough things. Tough, tough things. He causes them to work together. To those who are called for His purposes. Work together for the good. That's something. 
There's tragedies happen. And I'm not saying God causes all these tragedies, but when they come, God works in them. Sickness. Our sickness. Another. Financial disasters. Family failings. Death of loved ones. And all of these, all of these break us. As something breaks in us. But you know, it's not all for the bad. God's working through these situations. He's doing something uh, in our life. There was a young fellow in our church when we were teenagers, and, and this, this young fellow had, had a rough life, a rough upbringing. And you know, family and just all corners, you know, where to live, it's all kind of issues. And God put his hand on that young man's life. And I've never in my life ever heard a young man who could preach like that young man could. He was right out of our church. You know the preachers that come out of our church, I wasn't even in the top five. (laughs) But he could preach. But he had learned early in life about brokenness. Something I had not in that time really experienced. There are things that help us a long way. Prayer, Bible study. But then there are also things that hit us like anger, jealousy, envy, disappointment. The breaking of our old sin nature. It can take time. But it is a special means of grace to us when it's happening. It don't feel good. It hurts. But God's Spirit will not stop. I love it when I read that passage about Jesus when He broke the bread and blessed it. He's talking about His own life breaking. What happened when the life of Christ was broken? Grace just poured through the love of God like nobody's ever seen. Poured through. There's a blessedness in brokenness. It allows a spirit to flow through. You remember that woman that came to worship Jesus and she brought this box. This box. I reckon it was made of clay or something. I don't know. She broke that box. And that, that ointment that was in there and the perfumes that were in that box just began to spread. And her worship before the Lord. She was a broken, she had been a broken person. But God was allowing her life now to express a love and a grace that never before she experienced. And this little box represents that. An egg, when it's broken, when there's a chick inside, There's a blessing coming out of that little egg. There's something beautiful and wonderful. But that egg's got to be broken and chipped away. A seed, when it's put into the ground, a little old bald-headed seed stuck into the ground, somewhere along the line, that hull is broken. And out comes, out comes a little slip of growth. 
the breaking of the soul. And I think this is what Jesus is talking about <clears throat> over in Matthew when he put it like this. Blessed. Blessed are those. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the, are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'm, that's where God's leading us. He's breaking our spirit to allow that pure in heart come to come forth. Nobody sees any good out of brokenness. You know, in the natural world, it's not a good thing. We do everything we can to avoid it, don't we? But God uses it. He's breaking that outer man, that, that old man, that old sin nature in us and releasing Releasing His Spirit. Bow with me just a moment. And so, Father, we're here today and we've been singing and worshiping. Lord, we've had some glad moments here. We've prayed some serious prayers. God, this morning, as we're just bowing here at the end of this worship service, just to look in our heart of hearts. Lord, You know our life and we know You know. You know our whole life. You know every experience that we've had. You know those things, Lord, that have been happy times. And you know our most broken moments. And Lord, help us today to see that somehow, Lord, you're working in those times like nothing else in our life. There's something happening. And God, we just pray that we can commit ourselves to allowing you to, to let your Holy Spirit work in our life. Lord, especially in the broken places. Sometimes we want to hide. We want to, we want to prevent uh, even ourselves from admitting these things. But God, You're there. And your Holy Spirit is moving. You're wooing us. You're calling us. Your Holy Spirit is, is always after us and in us to bring about Your will in our life. And so today, God, let's, we just bow before You and say, Lord, let it be. Let it be what you are about in our life. Let it be. Whatever it is, God, you're moving in our life to do. God, we, we know that where there's brokenness with the Lord, there's also healing. And the Holy Spirit is in us as a healing stream, a river that will heal us, life, joy, peace, love in our lives. And so today, God, we just, we just bow before you and we pray that God... As uh, these broken places in our life, Lord, we will say, Lord, let me just follow you through this. Whatever I'm doing, whatever turns, whatever alternatives the devil is putting in front of me today, God, let me follow you. Let me follow you through this time of brokenness. And God, we just trust you that you're going to bring us through, Lord, in a way that is amazing and wonderful in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing a closing hymn. Take my life, lead me, Lord, 287. As we sing, we'll close with this hymn. But the Lord's speaking to your heart. You have a decision you want to signify today. You to walk this aisle and do that. Let's stand together. And as, as we sing, I just encourage you as the Lord will move in your life to come forward today as He speaks to you.